Tonight, y'all, we are going to be talking about how God brought down the walls of Jericho. Come on, somebody. On, I know you probably you probably heard this this story so many times in Sunday school. Anybody know the song, right? You know, they and the walls came tumbling down. You know, but I love this story because as I was reading and studying, looking at the the book of Joshua. Uh, I think God just showed me some things that I believe is going to be relevant and encouraging for you tonight. So if you don't mind, can you stand in honor of reading of God's word? We're going to be reading Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. I'm reading out of the New King James Version tonight. And uh, fun fact, I was actually, you know, as I was looking into this book, I found out that the name Joshua uh, actually means in the Hebrew, the Lord saves or the Lord gives victory. And I thought to myself, man, that sounds so much better in the Hebrew meeting than Caleb, because you know, anybody knows the story, right? 12 spies went there, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they came back with a good report, representing their tribe. My little brother, for those that don't know, um, my little brother's name is Joshua, my name is Caleb, and if you want me to you know, hurt your head a little bit more, my brother-in-law's name is first name Caleb, middle name Joshua, and then my future brother-in-law, his name is first name Joshua, middle name Caleb. I know, it's crazy. So that's why we say like Pastor CJ, we, we try to make it more simpler for us, whatever else. Uh, but I learned that Joshua, it means uh, the Lord saves or the Lord gives the victory. What's you thankful that our God gives the victory, right? We don't fight for it, we fight from it. You want to know what Caleb means in the Hebrew? Dog. Some people say that could mean like loyal or like faithful, whatever else. Y'all, I told my coworker what that word means because we're talking about like the meaning of names. He literally named, they named their dog Caleb after I told him that. And they came to work one time, y'all, they're talking about Caleb just peeing on the carpet and all that. And I'm right around them and the coworkers are looking at me like, and they're like, no, that's my dog. I'm like, guys, what the heck? But you know, anyways, we got to get into it. That's not anything. Oh my gosh. Okay. We got to get into it. We're going to be here for a while. I got, we got to get in here. Joshua chapter six, verse one through 10. Uh, I thought it would be funny. It says this. Now Jericho was securely shut because of the children of Israel. None went in and none came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have, somebody say, see, he said, see, I love how y'all, y'all sounded so great when y'all said that. I have given you Jericho into your hands. It's king and the mighty men of valor. So before one brick fell down, before they ever stepped and went around Jericho, God said, see, I have already given it to you. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you have to see it before you see it. The Bible says that without a vision, God's people perish. You have to have a vision and you have to allow the Spirit of God to help clear some blinders to whatever you're facing or going through. You may be going through an addiction. You may be going through some turmoil and problems with family. I came to tell you tonight that you have to see it before you see it. It says, you shall march around the city, all, your, all you men of war, you shall go around the city once, then this shall you do six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. So they have the ark. They went around. We know the story, right? But for those who don't, we're going to read the rest. But the seventh day you shall march around the city. Somebody help me say this. Seven times. 
And the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall what? They shall shout with a great shout. Come on, can you give me your best shout right now? Then the wall of the city, you guys are hyped tonight. I love it. You you had your Starbucks. You had your coffee. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. He said to the people, we're almost done, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And it says the armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall, help me say, shout. So before they could ever make a noise with their mouths, They had to be silent for those six days. But whenever they shouted, y'all, they shouted. They blew those trumpets. The walls came tumbling down. And the title I felt led to, to share with you tonight is this. Turn your pouting into shouting. It is time tonight to turn your pouting into shouting. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, have your way tonight. Speak through your word. Holy Spirit, I cannot deliver this message the way that you want me to deliver it without your assistance, without your help, Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by your Holy Spirit. So we pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would convict, Lord, that you would edify, that you would build up, and that you would do what only you can do. It's all for you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And somebody said, amen. One more time, can you give God a shout of praise? And after you've done that, you can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of reading of God's word. All right, y'all, we are at the point in the nation of Israel's history where they are about to, they're actually entering into the promised land. And this promised land, I want you to think about this, this was a promised area that God had promised Abraham, five promised Abraham and his people that he said, I'm going to give you this land, this is going to be your place. He told them 500 years before this that he would give them this land. And now we know the story, right, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob If you don't know the full story, I'll tell you right now. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sometimes you read those characters in the Bible and you hear about those names. And I'm so excited that our youth group, we're going to be really diving into those characters and those people in the Bible. Who knows that the Bible isn't a fairy tale? It isn't a myth. It isn't made up, but it's actually history that took place. And we're going to be looking at those characters, talk about how it leads to Jesus. But we know that from Jacob came Joseph, and then Joseph went uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then from, from there, Joseph, and then Joseph, he becomes second in command over all of Egypt, right? And, and then his family comes, and they stay there within Egypt, and it's, it's as if as they were staying there, the whole nation of Israel multiplied and grew into this vast force of millions upon millions of people, and the scripture says that the day came where Pharaoh forgot, a new Pharaoh rose up and forgot about Joseph, 
and they began to turn the nation of Israel into slaves. But, but God, during that time, the scripture says that he heard the nation of Israel cry. He heard their cries whenever they were in Egypt, as they were in slavery, as they made bricks without straw. He heard their cries, and he remembered what he had spoken and the promise that he gave towards Abraham and his people. Who's thankful that we serve a God that doesn't leave us or forsake us, but even in our darkest, deepest, saddest moments, he hears our cry. And he heard their cry, and he brought them out, and he's bringing them to this promised land. And as he brings them to this promised land, he splits the Red Sea. He provided for them for 40 years in the desert. He brought them through the Jordan River, and now they are facing the first city in the promised land, which was the city of Jericho. Now, I want you to imagine this city. This was a fortified city with tall and wide walls, and it was thought to be unconquerable and impenetrable. And it is only one out of 31 other cities within the promised land, in the land of Canaan. Only one of 31 cities that they had to conquer in the promised land. And, and they couldn't avoid it or go around it because God told Moses, get this, because when you think about it, they crossed the Jordan River, and the first city that they come in contact with is the city of Jericho. Fortified walls, a big city, a staple, a landmark within that area. People knew that, that Jericho had a reputation uh, that it wasn't going to fall down. It wasn't going to be, you know, taken out, whatever else. And this is the first city. I don't know about you, but I would almost be tempted to go to these other cities and other places, right? Maybe just, well, you know what, Jericho, that's only one out of 31 cities. We'll go take care of that one later. But no, God had spoken to them, and he said, no, go there. Why? Because God told Moses that if they didn't take care of their enemies and take them out and obliterate them, that they would become, that they would become, y'all, the scripture says, like a barb in the eye or a thorn in the flesh. So it says that Jericho, see, Jericho, it says in the scripture that they were shut up, that they were there. They weren't actively seeking out the nation of Israel. I'm sure that they probably heard about the Red Sea, because as you read the scripture, you'll discover that Rahab and them even said, we heard about your God. We heard about what God brought you through and what he did in your life. And, and, and they work out a deal with Rahab, and, and they save her. But they knew, and they weren't actively seeking them. But rather than avoid them, it says that they took them head on. So I mean, like, they could have avoided the city, but by doing so, it would have hurt them later. See, I've learned and I've realized that there's some barriers in our lives, y'all, that there are some barriers that some of us have chosen to live with and avoid, and it's interfering with our walk with God and our family. See, sometimes God presents a barrier, or there's a barrier that we, that we have, and it may, not be, it may be from the enemy, but sometimes, you know, we have the choice and we have the decision. You know what? We can either address it and take care of it, but other times we say, you know what? We're going to sweep it underneath the rug. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to bring it to the light. The nation of Israel could have done that with Jericho. There was a lot of other places, but they chose to address it and take care of it and be obedient to what God had told them to do. And I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but maybe there's some barriers in in your life. Maybe there's some things that you don't like talking about with your spouse. Maybe there are some things that are restricting you from receiving everything that God has for you in your relationship with him or maybe even in your kids and you're afraid to address it. But I came to tell you tonight, don't let that thing grow in the dark because that thing may rise up and come and be a burden to you later. But tonight is the night where you address that Jericho that may be in front of you. You face it. You don't sweep it. You come against that barrier and you see God turn it into a bridge. Can I hear somebody say amen? 
Because there are some things that will try to come and haunt us later if we don't address it. So the scripture says that the promised land was inhabited also by seven other greater and mightier nations that stood against the nation of Israel. It says the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, and uh, the Cellulites. No, that's not really... I've heard that's, that's, a, that's, like a, that's like a super old pastor joke. Anybody? That's not a real tribe or clan or nation in there. But the book of Joshua records seven years of conquering the promised land full of bloodshed and battles, which made me think, if this was God's promise to them, like, why didn't it come so easier? Like, easier. Because I don't know about you, whenever I think about the promises of God, I don't often associate the promises of God with problems, with persecution, with troubles, and with trials. Come on, some of us, we want a promise from God, but we think it's going to come easy and fall in our lap. The nation, see, I want you to get this, they were called to go and inhabit the promised land. God told Joshua, he said, wherever the, your, the sole of your foot touches, I give you dominion, and that will belong to you. The enemies did not leave the promised land. They had to go in there and drive them out. See, and I believe it's so that way their trust and their faith in God could be solidified and it could be built up, and that way only God could get the glory. The Bible says that the seven nations that were in the promised land were greater and mightier than the nation of Israel was, but they served a true God. See, I've heard it said before that the God of Israel is real. The God of Israel is real. These other places, these other clans, these other nations that were there, they may have had idols. They may have had their own practices. They may have had their own methods, but their God were fake and they were dead. But who's thankful that our God is alive? And they went there. See, what I'm trying to tell you tonight, that there's going to be some promises in your life that won't come easy and overnight, but it's going to require you to trust God. And that's exactly what God was trying to instill inside of them as they conquered Jericho. You know what the God was trying to build them up with? Because it's crazy instruction. He, he said, walk around the seven times, you know, seven days on the seventh day, go around it seven times. He was trying to build their faith. Can somebody say faith? You want to know how I know that? The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 30, says it like this. It says, by faith, the walls, somebody say that, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. I was thinking about this. So they walked circles around Jericho, and it says that they did it by faith. But before this, for 40 years, y'all, they are walking circles in the desert, not because of their obedience, but because of their disobedience. They were not walking because of their faith. They were walking because of their flesh. And now God had called them to walk by faith around the walls of Jericho. Who knows it takes faith to do what the nation of Israel did. Because I don't know about you, if I would have heard God say, I want you to run after those walls, make some ladders, I want you to get spears and arrows ready, come on, we're going to take this city. I don't know about you, but I've been like, let's go, come on, we're going to do this. Like Joshua, he's talking to God because the scripture says, as Joshua is actually approaching Jericho, that this figure and this man who is God himself is there. And he goes, reincarnate version of Jesus in the Bible. That, that was Jesus himself giving instruction, God himself giving instruction to Joshua. You're going to walk around the walls of Jericho for seven 
days. And on the seventh day, walk, walk around it seven times and make a shout and blow the trumpets. And you want to know how I know that the Israelites have, have grown in their faith since Egypt? Because if you would have asked the previous generation to do this less than 40 years ago, think about this. If you would have asked the previous generation to do this over less than 40 years ago, they probably would have been like, are you crazy? Like, we're not going to do that. That makes no sense. We're going to die if you do that. Because remember, from the Red Sea, think about this. Moses, the nation of Israel, had this reputation of pouting and complaining. When, when Moses brought them to the Red Sea, right, and they were faced with the Egyptian army coming at them and the Red Sea in front of them, they told Moses, so you just brought us out here to die, huh? We're just going to get to what, to what you did, man. They start complaining and pouting, and then they get there, and then they get brought to these springs of water. Once God brings them to these, to these springs, and you can look into it, the Scripture says that these springs were bitter. And they begin to complain to Moses, saying, this water's so bitter. And then after that, they begin to complain about how, like, they had no food or, or and stuff like that. And then God sends quail and manna from heaven, right? He sends that, and then they start to complain. They say, we're eating the same thing every single day. We're eating, like, you know what I mean? Have you ever eaten the same restaurant time and time again with your spouse? And you tell them, all right, that's great. I'm hungry. We've eaten there a lot. Let's eat somewhere. They begin to complain to them. They said, let's, let's eat somewhere else. And you'll see this pattern repeat itself. And, and what's begin to be worse is they begin to fantasize and compare their food with the cucumbers and the fish that they had as slaves in Egypt. Then they, then they begin to pout and they talk to God. They, they, they said, you know what? We're, we're sick of Moses' leadership. And they complain and complain, and then he sends 12 spies into the promised land. Ten come back with a negative report saying, oh, these giants are so big, we have no chance. And Joshua and Caleb, the only two that come back with a positive report. Time and time again, Israel pouted and complained. And I feel so bad for Moses, y'all, because there was a time... We're like, they were being disobedient to God, and they were just pouting and complaining and crying. And, and, and God tells Moses, go get your people under control. And I'm paraphrasing. And then God responds back saying, I mean, not God. Moses responds back to God by saying, no, those are your people. I didn't ask to do this. You're the one that showed up in the burning bush and told me to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people. Has your kid ever done something stupid or bad or something? And you as parents, you say, man, your kid's acting a fool right now. He's like, your kid, it's, he's my kid too. You know what I mean? It's like you begin to blame the other person, but they had a reputation of complaining because God brought them out of Egypt. Y'all get this. God had brought them out of Egypt, and you've probably heard it before, but I'll say it again, but he still had to get the Egypt out of them. And what's interesting as you begin to study it, because they had a reputation of pouting and complaining. They came from Egypt, but they still had an inkling of Egypt inside of them. And the scripture says that as, they, as God brought them through the Jordan River, and he brings this army through the Jordan River, that Joshua tells the army and all the men that came with them through the Jordan River, he said, it's time to get circumcised, y'all. I know, right? I mean, we're, we're, old, we're old enough in here, right? He tells us, it's time for you to be circumcised before we move forward and, and go to Jericho. We have to take care of this. Why? Because circumcision was sign of a covenant. Blood had to be shed. 
That was the mark that God had a covenant between his people. They had to have some skin in the game. Okay, let's move on. So they had to, they had to get circumcised before they moved in. And what's interesting is they crossed the Jordan River. They're in the promised land. Jericho's right there. And after they get circumcised, God gives them time to heal. And then he says this. He said, today I have removed the reproach of Egypt that was on you. What is that? That was the shame the guilt, the, the weight that they felt from Egypt beforehand while they were in the promise, while they were in the desert for those 40 years, that's what kept them from going into the promised land. And God said, no, today is the day where I'm removing that shame. And if you want to go into this promised land, you can't go into this new land with the old spirit. See, there was a conversion that had to take place for the people of Israel in order for them to enter into the promised land where he had to turn whiners into warriors, complainers to conquerors, from, war, from war, warriors, what did I say that? Warriors to warriors. Oh, there you go. And from powders to shouters. And can I tell you, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror that you are an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Somebody say more than a conqueror. See, and that there are some promises. I came to tell you tonight that there are some promises. You know the Bible is full of, of promises available for you. 3,000 promises that we find in the Bible, y'all. But came to, I came to tell you tonight that there, if there's one thing that will keep you from God's promises and from your barriers turning into bridges, it is pouting, doubting, and complaining. Pouting, doubting, and complaining. It doesn't do no good. Worry, all those things. I've heard it said before that, that worry is like a rocking chair, right? You move and you move, but you make no progress. And there are power in the words that we speak. I actually learned within psychology and within, with, from counselors to, to stay away, at, even if you get in an argument with your spouse or you say something like this, don't, always, don't, don't say never or always. You always act like that. You're never good to me. You know that's a lie. I mean, most of the time, right? And you know what some of us do? We complain. Whenever things happen, and we say, it's always going to be like this. Stuff, bad stuff always happens to me. Oh, that's just my luck. Oh, I'm never... And you don't even realize it, but your doubting and complaining and your pouting is, act is actually keeping you in that same. Let me give you a scripture, okay, y'all? This is something I want to challenge you. Okay, if you hear nothing else I'm saying tonight, I want you to hear this tonight, okay? Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. And this is something I'm going to try to work on, too. It says this. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Somebody say all things. Oh, that's so hard. Like, you know, just like all things without complaining or disputing. You know, I've realized that it takes just as much energy to doubt, to pout and, and, and be down than it does to, to, to be happy and praise. You know, it's been said that it takes more than twice as many muscles to frown than it does to smile. And I believe that if there's one thing the enemy wants you to do, wants us to do, it's for you to exert all your energy on complaining and pouting that you have no energy for the battle. And I cannot give you a word of advice, and I, I've heard this from my family before, from my parents. Maybe you've heard it said before. But sometimes, you know, if you have nothing good to say, don't say Help me say it. I think Joshua must have heard this or something before from his parents or something, right? 
Because what Joshua tells the nation of Israel, I want you to read this in Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. We're talking about how they couldn't enter into the promised land. We couldn't see that barrier get turned into a bridge if they, if they kept their old ways. It says this, now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall now what? Shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed of your, out of your mouth until the day I say shout, then you shall shout. Now, we, we know as you study the scripture for those other seven days or other six days, the trumpets actually get blown, but the people, they had to keep their mouths shut. And I was thinking to myself, like, why did they have to do that? Why did they have to keep their mouths shut? And I think it's because possibly, and I'm just thinking, maybe Joshua knew that if they could just talk and conversate amongst one another for those six other days, while they were doing something ridiculous that required, that required faith and trust in God, maybe the wrong words would come out of their mouth that would contaminate their praise and worship when the time came. Because he knew he was part of that, y'all. He went with the 12 other spies. The 10 others were complaining and groaning. Him and Caleb were saying, no, we, we can do this. And I think Joshua actually learned from his mistakes because it says in the Bible that whenever he sent spies into Jericho, that he didn't, spend, he didn't send 12, he sent two. And he learned. But he said, stay silent. Don't say a word until the time comes. My first point I want to give you tonight is this. Don't confuse silence for weakness. Don't confuse silence for weakness. And I want you to think about this. As they were walking around the walls of Jericho for those seven days. The people within Jericho are looking down at them. And the people of Jericho did not know the plan, the scheme, or the strategy that they had. Because if they would have known that on the seventh day, after the seventh time, as they made a noise, the walls would have come tumbling down, I think they may have done something. But they walked around those walls, and they couldn't say a word during that time. And it's actually been shown, as excavations have happened, they've discovered and they believe that people actually lived within and along the walls. The Bible even talks about Rahab. You know Rahab? She was the prostitute. Talk about you can't say God can't use anybody because he used Rahab. Rahab was in the lineage and the genealogy of Jesus. Read Matthew chapter 1. Rahab, she took the two spies in that Joshua had sent. And then she tells the two spies as they hide from the king of Jericho, she says, as you leave, go out this way. And it says that they climbed, I don't know if it was out of the window or on the roof or something, but they climbed out of her house and they actually went down the walls from her house because the scripture says that she lived within the walls. So I want you to imagine as they're walking around the walls of Jericho, can you imagine what people are saying at them? what they are taunting them with, what they are doing, maybe even throwing things at them, and the whole time they have to keep silence. They have to keep their mouth shut, and I can just imagine, I don't know about you, but if I was in the walls of Jericho, I would have had a little bit of fun that day. Like, what are y'all doing down there? This is like, you know, because they maybe they thought there was a siege or something happening, but can you imagine 
like how crazy it would have looked to everybody else to see this nation. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people walking around the walls of Jericho. But as they walked around the walls of Jericho, they kept silent. Maybe they spit on them. Maybe they mocked them. Maybe they made fun of them. Maybe they tried to anger them. But the whole time, y'all, they stayed silent. Oh, I've learned one thing as I followed after Jesus, that there's going to be times in your life as you follow after Jesus and you do what God has called you to do, and the world may look at you and they may look upon you and they may think you're crazy. They may think that, you know, like, why are you doing all that? You know, you, why, you know like, wh why are you saving yourself for marriage? Come on, I've been asked that before. Why are you doing all these different things? You could be doing this. You could, like, come on, just, you know, do, and, and even at work with coworkers or friends or other people, they may look down at you. They may taunt you. They may make fun of you. Can I tell you something that you don't have to respond to everybody else and what they're saying? Sometimes the best thing that you can say is nothing at all and walk and do what God has called you to do. See, because let me tell you something real quick, and that doesn't mean that you're weak. The Bible says be slow to anger, be quick to listen. Slow to speak, there we go, slow to speak and be quick to listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth to use proportionally. And I'm having, to I'm having to teach myself this too, y'all. But some of us, we want to respond back. We want to say something back. But can I tell you, there, there is still power in the silence that you have. You know, I've heard it said before that insecurities are loud, but confidence is often silent. I won't forget when Brooklyn, Brooklyn shared a story with me whenever she was a senior in high school, y'all. And when she was a senior in high school, she was going through a very tough and challenging time. And as she was going through a challenging time, she said that one of her so-called friends asked to, you know, hang out with her. And when she sat down with her at the table, her friend said, Brooklyn, I don't like how you're serving at church so much. You have to go to every service like that. Like, what, you, you know, come on, come on, tonight, this is for real. She said, you, you're missing out on like your whole high school senior experience. We're having all these parties. Come on, rebel a little bit. Come on, who cares what your parents, and they, she began to share that. But Brooklyn, she knew who she was in Christ, and she didn't feel led to respond and lash back out at her, but she knew what she was supposed to do. And despite the person coming at her like that, she and I'm telling you what, if she would have given in to what they were saying, me and Brooklyn probably wouldn't have even, even have ever met. We wouldn't have met. But because she knew who she was, even though some people may have been saying something, she stayed true to who she was. And, and then through that, y'all, God used her, and now we're married. Look at that. Praise God. Some of us, y'all, we are giving way too much ear. We're giving more ear to the enemy than we are to God. We're giving our ear, and we're listening to what he's saying, and, and, and he's saying, D don't go to church. Oh, be, don't forgive them. Oh, how about that? Oh, you need to be offended. You need to, be, you need to get back at them. You, we're giving ear to what the enemy is saying and giving ear to that rather than being led by the Spirit of God. But we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. 
And yes, people may say things to you or whatever else. I don't know what you may be high schoolers, middle schoolers. It may be in school. People, you may be caring about what everybody else is thinking or saying. Can I encourage you as somebody that's been where you are? Keep on following after Jesus. Be ashamed, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and see what God will do in your life and the people that he will reach and people that we impact. Men at work, as you work, don't feel like you need to try to change the way that you walk or talk or say all these things that other guys are saying to try to fit in. Be who God has called you to be. Be the men of integrity and character. Woman, I want to speak to some woman. Even if other ladies are gossiping and talking bad about other people, don't be a person that spreads gossip. Be a person that spreads the gospel. Come on, somebody. I'm coming at everybody tonight. Sometimes you just got to be silent. I think of Jesus. As Jesus stood before the accusers, as he stood before the Sanhedrin, as he stood before King Herod, the Bible says that he was very silent. He didn't have to say a whole lot. He knew what he was called to do, and he knew the reason that he was born. But Jesus, even though he was silent, he was so powerful. Think about this. At any point and at any moment, Jesus could have said one word and had thousands of angels come and set him free. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter got upset and he cut one of the people's ears off that was trying to take him. And then Jesus tells Peter, what's even more gangster about that is he takes the ear and puts it back on the man. Like, how cool was that? And then he tells Peter, he said, Peter, don't you understand that all I have to say is one word? And thousands of angels will come and release me from this and set me free. He had power, but yet he chose to stay silent. I don't know who I'm talking to. I know I'm taking a little bit longer right now. Is this okay? You just get, somebody get some out of this? I hope so. Don't confuse the silence for weakness. Don't allow other people to try to throw you off course. The Israelites were focused and they stayed quiet for those seven days. Can you imagine if they would have been talking and talking and talking and when the time for them to make a noise came, it probably wouldn't have been as powerful. But after this, on the seventh time around, on the seventh day, the scripture says that they made a loud shout and blew the trumpets and the walls came down. My second point I want to tell you tonight is this. That worship is a weapon. Oh, come on. Do we have any worshipers in the building? That worship is a weapon. And when you study the Bible, you'll discover that this isn't the only time that they used worship or instruments or praise. Because it says that they had the trumpets and they had the Ark of the Covenant. This wouldn't be the only time that they would use that to win a battle. Because there were times, y'all, where God instructed them to send the musicians and the worshipers in the front lines of the army as they went into battle. I don't know about you, but I would want some, like, spears and some horsemen on the front. But the nation of Israel knew something that we didn't. And it's this, as they kept God first and honored him and worshiped him, that God would anoint them and grace them to win the battles. There is power in worship. They knew the power of worship as they worship together. Anybody believe that there's power in worship? See, and this is what I've realized. It's easy to worship God whenever everything's going okay. 
It's easy to worship God when the bills are paid and the kids are acting good, but I believe that true heartfelt worship comes when you worship God in the middle of the battle. They released a sound even though they were in the middle of the battle as they were around there. See, that's what I've realized. Even when the bills aren't paid, I'm going to worship God. Even if there's a sickness in my body, I'm going to worship God. Even if people are against me, I'm going to worship God. Even though I may be dealing with this or doing that, let me tell you something to do. Worship God. Because guess what? There is power in your worship. And your worship is a weapon. If there's one thing the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to cease and stop from worshiping God. But came to tell somebody tonight that there is power in your worship. They were coming against the walls of Jericho. And can I tell you something? It wasn't swords or spears or ladders that brought the walls of Jericho. Jericho down. It was their shouting. It was their singing. It was their worship. And that's what you got to get in your mind. Come on, we have to worship. The Bible says those that worship the Lord will worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on, there's going to be times in your life where all hell is breaking loose and you don't know what to do. Can I tell you what to do? Worship. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know what Jericho was? Jericho was a stronghold. But it was their worship that brought the walls down. See, I don't know about you, but like worship was the thing that brought them down, not swords and spears. Job, Job lost everything. But even then, he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He went through hell, but he worshiped. I don't know how God does it, but God has a way of turning that worship into a weapon. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says like this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. I want to share two stories with you real quick. First story is this. I don't know if you know this or not, but, you know, years ago, you know, my, my grandfather came into Victoria in the 70s, and he established what was known as the Riverside Convention Center. And when he established the Riverside Convention Center, a lot of different events and concerts took place, and people came in, and, and they brought in a lot of different big artists and stuff like that. But there was a lot of also negative things that happened in that atmosphere from drug abuse and alcohol and everything else. And God had brought my dad's family out of that atmosphere and out of that culture. And now how awesome is it that God has, and the, and the area was actually called Riverside Convention Center. You've probably seen it at Riverside Park. Y'all, my dad was offered an opportunity to purchase that property probably on three or four different occasions. We had an opportunity to purchase that and to turn it into Riverside Church, which is an awesome. Can we go ahead and give God praise how God works all things together for good from Riverside Convention Center to Riverside Church. And there was a time where my dad was offered that, but we decided as a church that we're not going to do it unless God says do it, unless God says move. So my dad, he was heart was in it. And he said, you know what? I don't know what to do exactly. Let's go out there. And he calls the prayer team and they go out there to Riverside Convention Center. And he didn't know what to do, but what he decided to do was to praise and worship and, and pray. And, and he felt led. He told the prayer team, he said, we're going to walk around this building seven times praying and worshiping. And we're going to ask God to, to do whatever he has to do. And my dad says on the seventh time after walking around the building, he just said, Lord, just take it. If this is your will, take it. Or give me a sign or do something. 
and they leave. And I kid you not, my dad said the next day he gets a call from his nephew. And, and the nephew, my nephew, my cousin, he says, hey, Bobby, did you hear what happened to the convention center? And he said, no, I don't, I don't know what happened. He said, the city just bought it, and they're fixing to tear it down. You go out there, y'all, that whole building is just the foundation and the concrete. Why? Because I believe God answered the prayer because of prayer and worship. I won't for, there was somebody that shared a story with me before, y'all, where, like, their family was just being broken up and torn apart. You know, parents were fixing to get a divorce, and they didn't know what to do. But as they, felt, as they were able to, they went to their father's office, and they turned on a worship song. I believe it was, the song was called Miracles. And they would sing that song in the office, and they would feel the presence of God. And people said that they would never get back together. People said they were fixing to throw in the towel, but they continued to worship and guess what? God restored that marriage and brought them together. I believe that there is power in worship. Somebody say, worship is a weapon. A worship team, you can go ahead and come up because we're fixing to worship. Jericho was a stronghold, and it wasn't going to be taken down by sword or spear, but it was going to be taken down by singing and shouting of men and women of God. And there are strongholds in your life that God is going to break with worship. If you believe that, can somebody say amen? If you don't mind standing to your feet this Wednesday evening. I want to end with this scripture right here. Because we're fixing to blow the roof off this place right now together as we worship. Joshua chapter 6, verse 15 through 16, it says this. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on the day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in and took the city. I was thinking to myself whenever I read that scripture, I was like, man, that sounds awesome. But I'm just like an analytical thinker. I like to try to evaluate. And I try to picture in my head. And I was thinking to myself, how could it like, how could the walls come crumbling or tumbling down? And how could they go in there like that so easy? Like these are tall walls. These are fortified walls. These are walls that would intimidate you if you stood against them like that. Look, look you ever been in front of a skyscraper or something like just something very tall and intimidating? How could it fall? Like that would take a lot for them to go over. And I studied and looked into it, and I actually found out that archaeologists that have excavated the city of Jericho, they have discovered that the walls fell in such a way that it was as if it created a ramp or bridge for the nation of Israel to go on and go into the city to take it. God turn that barrier into a bridge. God turned that wall into a walkway. But it was all because some people knew how to shut their mouth and when the time came, worship. This may be, I want to give you the conclusion right here, that your worship can turn walls into walkways. That your worship can turn walls into walkways.
It's time to stop complaining. It's time to start conquering. It's time to stop worrying, and it's time to start worshiping. It's time to stop pouting. It's time to start shouting. It's time to take those things that have been holding you back and holding you down and giving them to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Whatever you need, come to me. Lay it down. And let the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Some of us, we have been silent for a while, and I understand you may have grown up in a different denomination and a family that didn't really go, maybe even go to church or believe in God, or maybe maybe you went to a, a place where they, they look down on you if you raise your hand and you worship and you gave God praise. Can I tell you something? You don't just get to worship here at church. You worship wherever you are. You were created to worship God. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You may be saying to yourself, Caleb, I don't have much. I don't know if I can worship. Can I tell you something? If you still have breath in your body, the Lord has been good to you. And as you begin to worship and give God praise, see, I've realized if God doesn't change the situation, he will change you. He will change your heart. And I don't know what barrier may be in front of you or what you may be facing or what you may be coming against right now, but I want us right now to lift up a voice of praise and worship as we get into this song. And for the next few minutes, for the next 30 seconds, I want us right now just to sing and worship God. And I want us to start off, and as we get into this song, I'm going to say a count. I'm going to count to seven, and we're going to give a shout in this place to blow the roof off this place to worship together because worship is a weapon. So right now, can we go ahead and sing it out together? I want you to feel led as you feel led to worship and believe that God's going to turn those walls into walkways.